What's going on, everybody? This is the Corner 3 Timeout Trade Deadline Recap. Tim Daniel here, excited for this edition to bring to you guys, where I went and found some of our dear friends who helped us with team previews over the summer and got them to give me about 10, 15 minutes of their time to talk about their teams making a trade dead at the deadline. So, going to join me on today's show, you're going to hear from Michael Chang of Mavs Moneyball, our dear friend Ryan Blackburn of Denver Stiffs, and of course Jason Pat of today's Fast Break, where they're going to give us our thoughts on the Mavericks, the Nuggets, and the Bulls, and the deals they made, if they like them or not. So, be sure to tune in. Can't wait to give it to you guys. We have just a moment. Michael Chang, Mr. Mavs Moneyball, welcome back to this show. How you been, man? Been good. It's uh, been a... Rough start to the year, but we're coming back around, coming off the high of yesterday. So, um, a lot of excited fun. about, yeah, yeah. Let's How talk- are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm excited to do this. I've been wanting to put this together for a few weeks now. So, you're number one. You're 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 lead. You're batting leadoff for me. You ready? All right. Let's yeah. Go on base. All right. Let's do this. So, Nerlens Noel is now the center of the Dallas Mavericks. Yogi Ferrell looks like he's going to be the point guard. Harrison Barnes has had a good year. Um, it looks like we're starting to see these pieces come together. It looks like Nerland is being one of the big pieces in that puzzle. Um, Rick Carlisle had my favorite quote of the year saying, we're a shit team, but we're an underrated shit team. <laughs> How do you feel, man? What, what, what are your thoughts, one, on the trade, and two, what the direction is of the Mavs now? I think it's really come up come together quite nicely in the beginning of the year you know Dirk missed 24 of the first 29 games uh we were basically at the bottom of the conference things were grim didn't know if Dirk was going to even finish the season um and then it's really come around so Barnes totally looks like he's worth the contract uh, Dirk's come back and been a revelation at the five are there the pairing of Barnes and Dirk at the four and five, their offensive rating is one of the highest in the league and they're killing it. We've uh, really transformed the team too, just with uh, both with Yogi Ferrell and then also another undrafted rookie, uh, Doran Finney-Smith. So injected some youth into the team. And then it's been nice to see Wes Matthews come back finally from his Achilles injury. And then of course, yesterday with the uh, coup, um, you know, we did give up, uh, Justin Anderson, who's I think a young piece, and a few picks, but I think all oh, you'll take that 22-year-old Lotto pick, who was a potential number one a few years ago. Um, I think him and Barnes are going to be great, uh, and we we get to see how he does this year before we pay him the big bucks. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's awesome. Um, I love the move. I think that Nerlens could really be the team's future center. Like you said, he's got. 30 games to try out, basically. Yes. So, that's nice. Um, you know, and, you know, with this, though, they do, looks like they move on from some older pieces. Um, obviously, Bogut goes to Philly, but he's about to be bought out. And yeah. then, of course, you know, Darren Williams, uh, is, his time has come to an end, which is looking like all Roser League to him going to Cleveland. So, um, what are your feelings there, you know, is it what? What, what is, do you, it doesn't feel like it's a tank job per se, but it does feel like they're trying to get in that lottery position. And then they have that other first rounder. You know, what, what are you feeling right now for uh, this, what's coming up for the rest of the year for this team? 
Yeah, I think Deron and Bogut are just going to have a foot race to Cleveland. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm, I think it's the right move. Uh, both of them weren't going to be back next year. Both of their deals were coming up. They're in their 30s, injury prone. So they didn't really fit like the future direction of where we were going. Um, and so I think it's a good move. We did a nice veteran you know, gesture with Deron, and then we were able to get a nice uh piece in Nerlens. I don't think we have like that megastar yet, but between Barnes and Seth Curry coming around, uh, Nerlens Noel, um, you know, but those are, that's a solid foundation that you can build on for like the next five, eight, ten years, uh, assuming everybody keeps growing. Um, so I think they are looking to the future, but they haven't given up on this year. I think Nerlens Noel can really be kind of like that athletic big Dallas always likes. They're always trying to reproduce Tyson Chandler, and I think Nerland Noel's profile is really closely to Tyson Chandler. So I think this year he'll actually probably play more minutes than Bogut would have played, um, and he gives us a nice dimension. If you look, you look at his stats, his uh, deflections per game, per minute, his steals per minute, his blocks per minute, he's really in an elite company, and so he gives us a really different look, I think, at the five as opposed to when we play Dirk at the five. Um, so I think Dallas is trying to thread the needle. If you look at the the draft pick, they're protected through the 18th. So I think we're going to try to get in that like 15 to 18 range, get in the playoffs, but still hang on to our pick. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so um, I live in Kentucky. I grew up in Kentucky, so I know oh, all about, so we, yeah, I know all about your, New Orleans. Tell me, tell me, what's your uh, take? how he's doing and what do you think he could still become? I think that he is a, you know, like you mentioned, he's a young athletic shot blocker. Um, I was worried about how his game would develop into the NBA, but this year, after he had that whole tirade of only playing like eight or nine minutes a game in Philly for Brett Brown, yeah. it's like ever since that tirade happened, he's completely turned his game around. Um, I think that you guys are really going to love what you're going to get. I think that, you know, he... uh if he has a really good year this, you know, for the remainder of the season, Dallas gets in that eight seed race. Um, I think him, Yogi, and Barnes are gonna be a really good group. So uh, I'm excited for it, man. I think that he he needed a fresh start. I'm shocked it was him that Philly moved, not Jaleel. But yeah, at the same point, I'm happy for Nerlens to get out of get, get to a better situation. Yeah, I think I think they wanted to move Kiefer, but the market wasn't there, and I, I'm happy with. Uh, Nerlens Noel, I think he's he's the one guy that was the right target for us. Um, and so, yeah, we have this core now of young guys, and I mean, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Like he's this all defensive kind of Spider Man back there. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's like the best analogy ever. Actually, <laughs> perfect. So, I asked for five or ten minutes of your time. I really appreciate this. So, let's get to. Your prediction for the remainder of this season for the Mavs and Rick Carlisle and crew? I think we're going to get into the eighth seed. Um, I wrote an article just a few weeks ago about how it was destiny for the Mavs to take the eighth seed against the Warriors at the first seed, uh, kind of deja vu of the We Believe Warriors in the 2007 Dirk MVP year. It's the 10-year anniversary. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm all in on that. Um, I think Nerlens gives us the the defense we need. I think Yogi's going to cement himself as a starter. I'm all optimistic from here on out. New Orleans doesn't scare you with their moves? 
I think it's going to take some time, like long term. You know, that's that's kind of like what did they call it, the twin towers again. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it's I mean that's a big move, and anytime you you bring in uh, you move thirty minutes, forty minutes of player players around that that's going to take some time to adjust but, but yeah i think it's going to come down to us and new orleans so it's gonna be fun i'm looking forward to it so michael and again this is michael chang mass Moneyball. always appreciate the time man can't wait to have you back next year for team previews um and i am looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with the dallas mavericks sounds good take Thank care you. see you buddy all right bye So in doing this show and talking with everybody, all of our friends of writers for other teams, I uh, couldn't go much further than our good pal from Denver Stiffs, other than Ryan Blackburn. Ryan, my friend, what's going on? How's it going, Tim? Oh, man, a lot of trades to talk about, a lot. We covered quite a bit on the corner three this week, so I'm just kind of making my rounds and yeah. touching, without touching base with every one of our friends that represents teams. So you are batting second on this list. Oh, great. I, I get to get to set up some big guns. I like it. Yeah. So let's go back to February 12th, the first deal of two that the Nuggets make. Um, make a deal with Portland, give up a top-five protected first-round pick, obviously, and Yusuf Nurkic to get cash considerations so he clears some space, a second-round draft pick for 2018, and most importantly, Mason Plumley. The second of the Plumley is to be traded in about 10 days. At that time frame, weird. Yeah, very weird. It's a weird, weird thing. And then, but overall, man, um, I like that move for Denver. I think you know, with obviously you no know, Jokic being amazing and awesome, and having a year he has, you know, you know, building that young core around guys like him and Jamal Murray. Uh, I like getting Mason Plumlee for that team. I think it's a good additional body there. Um, with everything's going back and forth with them. So, what did you think with that first deal? What uh, everything that came through with Denver? Well, there there were a lot of extenuating circumstances that kind of went into that deal. Prior to that deal, Yusuf Nurkic had been a little bit difficult to deal with. Uh, in between up and down play, moving to the bench after starting for so long, he uh, it, it became evident that a starting job was going to be his either in Denver or somewhere else, and it, it didn't work out in Denver because Nikola Jokic has risen right to the top. So, yeah, he's been great. Uh, Nurkic, it, it became very difficult for him, and the Nuggets really needed to go out and get somebody who was going to be more steady. Uh, Mason Plumley is probably the definition of steady. He's going to give you uh, good production off the bench. He's going to give you heart. He's going to give you a bunch of rebounds. He's going to get you assists. And most importantly, he's going to get you some continuity between the starting unit and the bench unit. He plays in more of a similar style to Jokic than uh, than Nurkic did. So that'll be a little bit easier for the entire team to uh, compensate. Because when Jokic went off the court, uh, Yusuf Nurkic came in, or, or if not Nurkic, it was a power forward playing out of position at center. And... Uh, Mason Plumley being here instead, he really uh, solidifies that center position behind Jokic. I agree. I think that you know, I think Jokic is 
I mean, we, you, you're not going to hear us say enough good things about Jokic. Uh, and obviously you guys probably won't either uh, on, on your end because he's <laughs> been outstanding. But like I said, I like that you're starting to see them put a plan together. And what I mean by that is, um, first off, the Denver Nuggets showed out during All-Star Weekend. Jamal Murray in the, uh, in the Rising Stars Challenge, uh, Jokic in the Skills Competition. So um, really like yeah, you know, yeah. to see what those guys did there. Um, but I like that you're seeing them move forward with these young guys, uh, especially, you know, I know Moutier has been a little up and down this year. We've talked about that. And I still think that he has a really good chance to be a really good player in this league. And then, you know, putting Plumlee with that group, I think helps out quite a bit. Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. Uh, right now, Jameer Nelson is going to go forward as the starter in right. Denver at point guard. So well, he's been, it's going like, to be interesting to see. Outstanding, like way over his head for a bit now. Yeah, I mean, for for a thirty five year old guy starting playing major minutes, he's been really good. So we've been we've been really pleased with how he's performed in such a high uh, high need uh, major and such a major need for this team. Uh, What's going to be interesting is how the backup point guard minutes work. Uh, Jamal Murray has come in. He's played really well as a backup point guard. He's going to be up and down, as all rookies are. He just turned up. I think he just turned 20. Uh, no, I think I, I, Jokic just turned 22. Uh, but uh, Moutier is also 20. So those guys are going to be up and down for the majority of the next this year and next year as well so it's going to be interesting given that this team is trying to make a playoff push uh the eighth seed just became much more difficult uh but i like the way that this team is going they're not valuing the eighth seed as the be-all end-all uh they're instead they're going to continue to try and develop guys they're going to uh prioritize that development and while we may see veterans finishing the games more uh, you're still going to see Jokic, Harris, uh, Moody, and Murray out there. And it'll be interesting to see what they can provide. So that brings us to the second deal, which is really kind of, I mean, nothing like jaw-jogging by any means. But Milwaukee gets Roy Hibbert and the other Plumley brother deal and then moves him to Denver. <laughs> Second-round pick is in play in there for Milwaukee as well. Um, well, that's what Denver gives up there. So... What do you do? You like the Hibbert move? Do you dislike the Hibbert move? What do you think about it? Well, a couple caveats here. That second rounder that the Nuggets are giving up is probably the most disrespectful second rounder you can give up. It's a future top fifty-five protected second rounder. Jesus. Uh, the, the Nuggets are not going to be in the fifty-six to sixty range in two thousand nineteen unless something extraordinary happens. So. I doubt that they ever convey that pick. Uh, Hibbert was all about salary reasons, and while many will say, all right, he can be body for us, he's going to be behind Jokic and Plumlee for the majority of the time, and in spot situations where the Nuggets need to play really big, then he'll come in and play spot minutes. That's really all there is to it. He brings them much closer to the salary floor than they were before. Um it's he will he'll he can provide a veteran presence kind of do what a veteran does when they're traded for a top 55 protected second round pick um, very little yeah so i i agree and um 
I don't mind the move. I just, you know, we uh, talked with Claire James a couple weeks ago from Lockdown Hornets on the corner three, and she just said that, like, she expected at some point that he, while he was in Charlotte that he would just turn into, not necessarily be Pacers Hornet, I mean, uh, Indiana Pacers or Roy Hibbert, but just, like, be, like, that kind of aggressive player again. He just never got that back. So um, I'm wondering, you know, what, you know, your expectations, I think, are the perfect perfect spot for him and how you describe it. Yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if he can establish more of a role. I don't think that with with how congested the Nuggets' rotation is right now, I mean, he'd have to play over Jokic and Plumlee if he's going to if he's going to get any minutes at all. Not to mention the fact that they have Kenneth Fareed, Darrell Arthur, Wilson Chandler, and Danilo Gallinari to play small. Juancho Hernan Gomez is not seeing any time, and he's been great. So. I, I don't see much of a role for him. But again, the New Orleans Pelicans have DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, and maybe that was a selective buy for when the Nuggets face that team. And they'll face them three times. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, so last thing, we're um, capping the Nuggets in the trade deadline. Um, we hear that Larry Bird and company are, trying to, are, are shopping Paul George. Just kind of see what's going on there. Uh, he ends up not happy with them, like very not happy from what he says. But if he's the top guy, you why aren't you keeping me in the loop? You know, we and then uh, we hear about Boston, you know, kicking the tires on him. Uh, there's these talks that he's just basically waiting to go to LA. But the Denver Nuggets apparently make a monster offer for Paul George, a monster offer, and he does not want to play. It looks not like he were there from the way from the, his talk. So, your thoughts on them trying to, you know? I think that that's cool because, in a way, that Denver make them offer. Strictly because, if you remember, uh, we've talked about this, um, they made the, they tried to get a meeting with Dwayne Wade, and now they're trying to make that trade for Paul George. Different players, obviously, right. in this state. But um, you can tell that you know they're trying to get some pa- talented veteran leadership to put there, and I think that I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, I, I definitely think that with, with how Jokic has developed and as quickly as he has become the player that he is right now, I think it's definitely the right move to try and capitalize on some of the assets that they have and try and consolidate. Paul George really is the perfect player for them. Uh, he is a two-way player. He is a long perimeter wing who can take the last shot, but is also willing to let other people facilitate for him. So I think that that's a really, really interesting pairing. And the idea of Paul George on the Nuggets is a great, great thing. But there's always going to be in the back of your mind that, hey, is he going to depart for L.A.? Is he going to re-sign with them at all? If he says that he doesn't want to be a part of a non-contender... Now, to be fair, I think that by that point where he becomes a free agent, I think that the Nuggets could potentially be a contender, uh, given that they could trade for him and then make a move in the 2017 free agents period. So um, I think it's interesting. I think it's a little disappointing the way that he handled that. Um, But I do think that it was the right move for the Nuggets to go after him. They have had their eyes on Paul George and Jimmy Butler from afar. So I definitely think that those are the kinds of players that they really need to be exploring in the future. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, if they can get something like pair with like Nicola, uh, that's like a lot of special things that can happen there with Murray as Booty continues to get better. So Ryan, 
Mr. Denver Stiffs, always appreciate your time, man. It's a third time now joining the show. Man, not only hey, the I'm, first two times, you're a first three timer. Yeah. So <laughs> about 25, 30 games left for just about everybody in the league. Your predictions for the remainder of the year for the Nuggets, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I've, I've wavered back and forth. I think that it's it's going to be so close. Uh, I think that whatever happens – the Nuggets will be within a game either way of being in the 8th seed and being in the ninth or 10th seed or whatever they end up being. My take right now is that they'll probably be the 8th because they do have that advantage of being have, having just one game up. And uh, they've got a pretty soft schedule coming up right now, so we'll see if they can take advantage of that. If they can, then I think that the Nuggets will be in the 8th seed facing the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. Um, so, Ryan, definitely, like I said, man, thanks for your time. And I always appreciate it, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, man. Of course, if we're going to talk about the trade deadline and being that we're the corner three, we're all Bulls fans. We couldn't not talk about a Bulls trade. So we had to bring in from other than from today's fast break, Mr. Jason Pat. Welcome back to the show, man. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm good. So um, let's start this with a little happy stuff here because I know, you know, the Bulls season's been a little bit damper, um, but, and it's been since about Halloween, but has it settled in yet that your Cubs won the World Series? Are you still enjoying it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard to forget that, and the Cubs are starting up again, so that kind of brings back a nice reminder of that. I have, I bought, I got a ton of, like, Cubs World Series gear that I always wear all the time, so that's always, always a good reminder. I was playing some uh, MLB The Show yesterday with the Cubs, so, yeah, the Cubs are always, always hanging around. It's always nice when the Bulls are not playing well to, to <laughs> just kind of fall back and think about, think about the Cubs. Yeah, and that's a, that's a lot lately, I'm sure. So, uh, with that being said, let's talk about the trade, man. Um, first things first, you know, we knew Tosh had to go. Um, it sucks. He's been great for this team. I mean, he's been through a lot. That now means that everyone from the 2011 team's gone. So that era is officially over, I guess. Uh, Doug McDermott obviously goes. Um, but the players that come in, you know, Cameron Payne, Anthony Morrow, who is wearing number one and is getting really a lot of, a lot of beef and, uh... As Alex put him on the show, Joffrey Levine from Game of Thrones, you know, the little <laughs> Game of Thrones. And of course, once again, the Bulls mishandle a draft pick by getting up a second rounder. So when you look at everything here and the draft, I mean, the draft pick, you know, how they handle this stuff, uh, everything's going on. What was your reaction to the trade first off? Uh, I guess I wasn't too thrilled about it. Like, you, you did make the point about Taj, definitely. I had been advocating Taj to be traded for young player for a draft pick whatever i mean i love taj he like you said he's been around since that 2010 2011 team and that's like the end of an era he's been awesome he's always been one of my favorite bulls but you didn't want to make the same mistake they did with Pau Gasol last year where they had a deal on the table and then they take it but then they don't do it and then they lose power for nothing you didn't want to lose taj for nothing but i guess i was just kind of sort of confused how it ended up turning into taj and then also doug and then also that second round pick I don't because you could argue that 
I mean, Doug's not that good, and the fact that they're trading him already after giving up what they did to get him is ridiculous. I mean, that's just a whole other thing. But the fact that you can argue that the Bulls gave up the two best players in that trade, at least for right now. I mean, obviously, Payne has potential, but they gave up the two best players in that trade, and then they're also giving away that second-round pick, and now second-round picks, I mean, are not always the valuable. Like they, most of the times, you make a second-round pick, it doesn't turn anything. But sometimes it does. Sometimes you can use those in, in other trades that actually get good players it just it was just kind of weird that it turned it from into just like Taj for like maybe Taj for Cameron Payne by itself made it might have made some more sense but then including Doug who as while he's inconsistent he is one of the only shooters on the team so including him who still has another year on his on his rookie deal after this one and then the second round pick as well for I mean Morrow's been horrible this year he is he is a good career three-point shooter like 41 percent but he's been bad this year He's an expiring contract. So I, I can maybe they keep him around, but he's past thirty. And then Joffrey, King Joff or whatever. I mean, he's all right. He's he's kind of bounced around the league. Like, I guess I guess he could he could get see some minutes, but I'm not sure if he's going to play with Bobby, Nico, Cristiano Felicio, and Robin Lopez there. So I'm not really sure where he's going to the minutes are going to be there. So I guess I'm just kind of confused why it ended up getting so big instead of just hey Taj for a young guy or something. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Especially like, uh, like you said, like, I like Payne. I think that he has some potential. Um, but it goes back to like, let's see. Since you've been on, well, the Snell trade happened, so this would be what their fifth guy that could play point guard, and all yeah. five have been very inconsistent. Like, all right. So disclaimer: we all know I'm a big Notre Dame guy. So when they got Grant, I was like, okay, this is gonna be fine because I was like, can you had some glimpses of the All American, but it's just been a glimpse, maybe like two games worth. Um, that's painful for me to say, but like. <laughs> Other than, like, those two Grant games and Rondo's triple-double against the Cavs, like, that point guard position's been such a flux, and now we're adding to that flux. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at some of the numbers for all these guys, and, I mean, Rondo, I, my hatred of Rondo is well-known. I complain yes. about him all the time. Uh, and I, I don't really understand why he's still the backup. I guess his friend said, oh, well, you know, you got to – you got to balance uh, playoffs versus uh, playing the young guys. Well, I mean, Rondo's been bad. If you look at the – since – there's been all this, like, hype about how Rondo's led the second unit. He's been playing so good with the second unit. The Bulls have been getting smoked with Rondo on the court since he was leading the, the second unit. So he's – I mean, there's just almost no point for him. Grant had actually been starting to play decent recently. He's been shooting a little bit, bit better. And then, for whatever reason – Fred went back to Michael Carter Williams in the starting lineup, and I I can't stand watching Michael Carter Williams play. I mean, he had he had those couple good games when Jimmy was out, but those were a huge fluke when his like running floaters in the lanes that he always takes some of those went in, and that ended up being huge. I think since then he's been awful. And just in general, I mean, he's just, he's just it is what he is. Like he's just not that good. He has his moments, but he's just not that good. I don't think he should be part of the future. But if anything, if they could bring him back for cheap off the bench, maybe. But when you already have Grant and you have Payne, so I'm really curious to see how the Point guard rotation shakes out. Like, are they going to put Payne right in the starting lineup? Are they going to keep Michael Carter Williams there? But if they do that, are they going to have Rondo and Payne off the bench? And then what happens to Grant? Like, I would just go with Grant starting and then Payne as the backup point guard, and maybe you play Michael Carter Williams as like a wing off the bench, and then just say screw Rondo. But I'm I'm kind of curious to see what they do because it's it's kind of a mess. It's the ultimate mess, man. It's like it's yeah. it feels like this mess repeats itself, and that's what's so frustrating yeah. about it. <clears throat> So, let's play, like, a little wish for thinking here while I have you for a couple more minutes. Um, let's say for some reason or another that the basketball gods go in the Bulls' favor and somehow that Sacramento and the lottery pulls pick 11. Let's say this happens, because you know that means that that's the Bulls' pick. They still have that first rounder, depending on what happens with the playoffs and what all. 
could you see any case? And again, knowing that this front office, could you see any case where the say Bulls have pick eleven and they're in that twenty range? Do they put those two together to try to move up in the lottery? Uh, I mean, I guess they did it with Doug. So I guess if there's somebody True. that they really like, they maybe they'll do it again. Like maybe maybe the fact that they did it with Doug and it blew up in their face, maybe they'd be a little more not as I guess risky. But I mean, if there's somebody that they really like and they think oh that we got to have them, maybe they maybe they do put that together. I mean, I this draft is supposedly really good at the top. Like I'm, I don't watch that much college basketball, but I I mean I read about some of this stuff. So I know that if they could get up get up there and get somewhat high and get a point guard that they really like. I know obviously they just traded for Payne if they're hoping that they're really high on him, but if there's a guy that up, they could do it for, I mean, I'd, I guess I'd be fine with it. As long as it's someone that actually has a lot of upside and not... I hated the Doug Tree when it happened. I, I thought he could be a decent player still, but I didn't think it was worth giving up what they did. If there's somebody there that has high upside that could really help them going forward, I wouldn't be totally against it. Yeah, and I wouldn't be either. So that brings us to the decision they made to not move Jimmy Butler, which... I'm 100% okay with. I'm happy. I'm glad he's still here. I don't know what's going to happen by the time of the draft, obviously. But um, it seems like for now, the plan is to build around Butler. At least that's what it looks like. We don't know what the plan is. No build, one knows what the plan build, is. Build with Butler, not around Butler. John Paxson, John Paxson will tell you that. It's not around him. It's with him. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So, you know, obviously we're hearing ups and downs. He's going to get moved to Boston. He's not. He is. He's not. He is. He's not. Um and it finally comes down to on Monday, they're telling everyone we're not shopping Butler, quit asking for him. And then we hear in the deadline that Boston calls again the talks are there. And it comes down to, from what we understand, that the Bulls want Jay Crowder in the deal, and Boston doesn't want to give up Crowder, which I don't get. I think if Boston really wants to win, you know, Butler's the way to go, and you got to put Crowder in that deal. I get why they would want to hold on to him, but I, do, I don't blame the Bulls, honestly, for asking for the Brooklyn pick, you know, Smart and Crowder. Honestly, if they were trying to get where they get to this quote-unquote rebuild mode, like, I have no issues them asking for that much, so I don't know why people are too upset with the Bulls in that case. Yeah, for me, I don't didn't really care as much about like getting the players. I obviously Crowder's a good player on a great deal. I would, my my whole thing was going for those obviously those Brooklyn draft picks, and it's unclear just like how much those are actually on the table. Because I know like right after the trade deadline, like Woj was talking about, oh, like both those picks were possibly on the table, but then. They were probably would have had protections on it, and then Zach Lowe had a big piece, and there were other reports up, out there like, oh, maybe the pick was on the 2017 swap was on the table, maybe it wasn't. Ultimately, the Bulls didn't have to rush into a Jimmy Butler trade. He's under contract for sure until 2019, and then he has the player option after that. He's a great player. He's in his prime, arguably a top ten player in the league. You don't have to just rush into a bad deal. They can revisit it at at the draft if they want to and I'm so I'm totally fine with them not making that deal I'm, I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan I understand wanting to rebuild and if you get a good trade that gets you on a good start to rebuild why not but they didn't have to do it so I'm fine with it as well yeah I am 100% with you so Jason last thing before we get you out here because I asked you just for a few minutes and I appreciate you going a little extra for me um Check out Jason's Twitter follow also at Bulls underscore J. If you want to get his Bulls thoughts in the season and his Cubs thoughts, obviously, as we're getting to there. Um, your prediction for the rest of the year for the Bulls with this 24 games left? Yeah, uh, I, I think they'll make the playoffs there with the seven seed right now. They're a game behind Indiana. It's, the East is just not that good. And with, with Jimmy Butler there, as long as Jimmy's there, even trading away Taj and Doug, I think that they'll make the playoffs probably a few games over 500 or something like that. Maybe give Boston or Washington or Toronto a good. Maybe if they play Toronto, they'll beat them because they can never lose to them. But they'll probably give somebody a good first round series. I really can't see them actually winning one. But like I said I think they'll get in the playoffs, 
give somebody a good run the first round, and that'll probably be it. Yeah, I'm agree with you there. So, Jason, thank you again for coming back on the show. Always appreciate it, man. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our brand new website at thecorner3.net.